welcome to Soul Inspired Leadership's latest podcast. And today, my special guest is Rachel Treese. Hello, Ross. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yes, I'm looking forward to this. Um, now, Rachel, I'll get a little bit about Rachel first. Rachel is a serial, a serial entrepreneur. And she's a CEO of FTS Global and the Henker Institute. Rachel is an executive coach, psychologist, leadership trainer, speaker, culture and MA expert. So that's what we're probably oh, going to be that talking about. Sounds very posh, that doesn't I know, it? that's very posh. We're going to be talking about that a bit today, the MA stuff. So I just think there's going to be a lot of it happening soon, or probably happening now. Uh, now, Rachel's previously worked as an executive within the global financial services sector, which very similar to me. We've both come from the mm -hmm, same, mm -hmm. I don't know, the same soil. We've learnt, yes. we've learnt from the same background, yeah. <laughs> um, and she and she has vast experience in managing multicultural teams for the FTSE and Fortune 100 companies. Um, Rachel was awarded Most Inspiring Woman in Entrepreneurship in 2012 and is founding member of the charity Dress for Success Luxembourg. She lectures regularly at the University of London, the University of Newcastle, on, the, on their MBA programs and, and, and entrepreneur programs, as well as mentoring young women on various international programs. Rachel is British and in 2014, become a naturalised Luxembourgish. Luxembourger, I did, yeah. Well, Luxembourg, well, that's what I call Luxembourgers, my friend. But you yeah. got Luxembourgish, and that sounds a bit posh. Yeah, that's the language. The oh, that's the language. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Well, to me, Luxembourger sounds... And <laughs> 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 you've all come from McDonald's. Um, she speaks four languages, which is three more than me, is married to Keith, has a teenage daughter, lives in Luxembourg, yet close to an airport, where she follows her passion to travel. Yeah, but and, I haven't been doing too much uh, of that. Absolutely yeah. stuff all the last couple of years. There's no doubt <laughs> about that. But I'm sure that will change soon. Okay. And, and as I mentioned, uh, Rachel's passion is culture, corporate culture, and, and particularly in M&A work and how it plays out. Because sometimes in M&A work, um, people look about the data, the, the connection between <laughs> the information, the connection between the structural side of an organisation, how we M&A work and work within, basically within the process to get to merge a couple of companies or acquire another company. But what is often not planned about specifically for a period of time, it just becomes, as we were saying off air, a bit of an afterthought or hell, we've got a problem. Hello, like it's about the people. It's actually about merging people together and cultures together and unless there's a fit it's a bit a bit challenging so that's how I see it and I'm sure Rachel has plenty to say about this so Rachel yeah absolutely and you're absolutely right <laughs> um, you know it is all about the people um, and the work that I do is 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 about um, creating organizations that are performant yeah. you know at the end of the day every organization <laughs> needs to make a profit that's the intention yeah, that's, of most that's the idea yeah the idea um but that needs to be sustainable um and and it needs to be there for the long term um and so what often happens to your point in a, in a merger or an acquisition mm. is all the technical things are thought about um, um and the people are the last um part and yet the they're the most part. critical part of this whole um yeah. story uh, I, and I so agree. a lot yeah. of the 
a lot of the work that, that um, I do and the Henker Institute does relates to organizations that are going through those mergers and oh, yeah. acquisitions and we deal with the people part of it. And that's right. And that quite often the actual, the technical or the structural side, yeah. well, I know it's challenging, but it's still not rocket, rocket science. Like it's, and most of the people are quite smart, right? The lawyers, et cetera, et cetera. And they actually get most of it right on the structural side. Mm. Where they fail, it's the people. <laughs> that's yeah. the bit that doesn't <laughs> actually work so much. And they forget about looking at the people. It reminds when you're saying that, it reminds me about many years ago. I've been I've been through a few MAs, <laughs> uh, both uh, yeah, being acquired or being the acquiree. Um, and there's one where I was acquired, and I forget that the biggest push was, and they paid over the odds. They paid over the odds for the company. And it was a Scottish company, and they did a very smart deal, I can tell you, because structurally the company wasn't worth anywhere near what the other acquiring company paid for. So it takes to be a good CEO to be a Scot. I'm just laughing at that because <laughs> Rachel's husband's a Scot, so that's why we're having a bit of a giggle about it. <laughs> And I, I come from that heritage as well. But yeah, he sold, sold an absolute, like it, it was a well, well sold, put it that way. But when, when, when they bought that, they paid over the price and they said, everyone, oh, we bought it for the management. And then they proceeded in stuffing up the management to put it mildly. So basically, they just blew hundreds of millions of dollars in a one foul swoop, right? Because all was left was the bits and pieces, which yeah. they paid over the odds for. It's like buying a, I don't know, <laughs> buying buying a uh, a little Ford Escort, but you paid a Mercedes price. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, and, and fundamentally, as human beings and with all the biology and nervous systems that we have, um, you know, all of us human beings are, are resistant to, to change. Change, um, that's right. Um, I, I experienced it personally this year. My... My father went into a care home um, and my mother, um, who I would say is generally not a change resistant, she's mm. very, you know, gung-ho, yeah, yeah. do this, that and the other. Um, but it was um, this change in her, her life, yeah. um, you know, enormously resistance to that whole process. So, so that's us, that's human beings. That's it is, because uh, it's, it's, it's funny, because like your mother would be, it's the change of the routine. But mm. see, when, when you get, and people do it at work, they just get into a routine. When they're out mm. of routine, people feel a bit, a bit like they just, they, they become a, a bit oh, on edge mm. in, in a way, right? But the fact when they get into a routine, they feel as though they're in control. It's like, oh, I'm in control of this. Like, so I'm good now. If something goes wrong, I, I've got a good feel for it. It's when you move them out of that again, they've got to actually start yeah. that comfort feeling all over again. That takes a bit of time for them to mentally work out, oh, yes, I'm in control now. It's like um, when I do some training, sometimes you put, put people's names, you've probably you've done this many times, you, you, you move the names around so people come in again. After they've done the, the morning session, they're feeling comfortable. They're feeling uncomfortable when they come in because they've got, who's this person beside me? Then after about an hour or so, they've worked out, oh, that person's not a murderer. Like, they feel okay, they smile, they laugh, whatever, right? So generally speaking, they're starting to feel comfortable within their little sphere of sphere of sort of happiness there, just I'm, I'm in control now. Then you move them around again, oh, I'm going to do this all again. And they just, they struggle. Yeah. They struggle. And that's the majority. There's always people, there's always exceptions. 
they could be sitting beside some idiot, so they just want to move, or they just like doing that. But most, generally speaking, people just want to be themselves. Of course. In control of that. So I'm, I'm waffling along here, and I should be hearing from you more. So, <laughs> so, right. So, look, how, so, so when you approach that, what's some of your, um, like, what's, say, your biggest, I don't know, biggest, I'll say challenge we're talking about, but what's your biggest thought process when you're asked to come in and help an organisation put the Band-Aid <laughs> that's been ripped off to sort of suddenly yeah. get this? So, so I guess, you know, a lot of our work is about, um, you know, first of all, fundamentally, to create a performance organisation, we believe that the leaders need to be operating as, as coaches. So in a perfect world, creating a coaching culture in an organisation is the long term sustainable yeah, performance that's, that's antidote. Um, but when we go in and, and, and there is that sort of pain point and the, there's resistance, et cetera, um, we use um, a technique called um, Henker, um, Henker transformation. Mm. Um, Henker's actually, Henker is the Japanese word for transformation, by the way. Um, yes. And so what we would do is go into organizations and use a lot of positive psychology with with teams and and groups um, and it actually some of the work we do comes from I, I guess solutions focused hypnotherapy not that we're going in and hypnotizing people oh, yeah. it's using that positive psychology technique yeah, yeah. to allow people to make those shifts that are needed as the merger or acquisition is taking taking place. So it's enormously um, powerful because if people feel that they're involved in the process, then they're much more likely to, to um, join the process. So that, that, that's yeah. right, that's right. It'd be, and that, that's similar to the classroom again. If you ask yeah. someone to actually organize where the setting arrangements are, they'll feel in control, they'll be right. The rest yeah. won't. <laughs> But, but, but once you're involved, you don't think about someone else because yeah. you like someone else is doing something you can't control. But once you're involved, you're in control. So once yeah. they know, and that's it, and you, you're working with people, actually, they, they understand why the merge is happening or, or what, what the change is. Mm -hmm. They then understand what their role is in it and then what difference they can make within that. And once they know that, then they feel, okay, now I'm in control. I know where I'm heading because I understand where I'm going. It's when they don't really get that, and M and A's particularly, because you just told, oh, well, this X Y Z companies came to buy buy us out, or we're about to acquire someone. They all start to worry about the jobs. It's 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 that uncontrollable sort of fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you know, positive psychology is the big word yeah. I'd, I'd use, and and engagement and involvement in that whole process. Mm. Um, so yeah. And it's exciting stuff. It's yeah, exciting it stuff. I but love it, it is. I oh, know. So do I. But it, but the, the, the challenge is sometimes they can't be involved that early because we can't be telling the world that we're working on buying this a company, right? So we're looking at acquiring something. So that becomes the difficulty. Is how hmm. do you assess the mind? Well, for start the culture of an organisation you're about to acquire, you'll hear the antidotal things from the leaders who want to sell you the product, being the company. Oh, that'll be all be rosy. They won't be telling you oh, the culture stinks because that's going to lower the, the value of the organisation big time. So, you know, you get glowing reports, but how do you actually really 
get in and find out what the real culture is, not what the leaders think it is. They could be right, but they could be wrong. It's all those sorts of things that you've got yeah. to start with without then giving away some sort of, I don't know, it's like giving it away. So, oh, surprise, <laughs> we're about to take over your company. Or oh, maybe we won't, but anyway, we're going to talk to you about it. <laughs> like it's, it's just send up uh, the wrong signal. So you've got to do things very discreetly, and that's, that's also a difficulty. Um, I know once or twice I've had to go in the, where there's been some thought about that, just go in and somehow be chatting to some of the people to find out what really goes yeah, on there. It's, it's the beauty of ambiguity, isn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, well, that's it. If you, if you, this is if the you don't accept... Actually, at the moment, the ambiguity, ambiguity. advantage. That's uh, right. Which is, um, yeah, what, what, what it's all about just now, ambiguity. It is, and, and, if, and I tell leaders all the time and I coach them, if you can't accept ambiguity of people, then don't be a leader because basically people are ambiguous. Everyone's ambiguous. So just, just if you can't accept that, then you're going to struggle as a leader. Yeah, I think so, I think that's a I think that's a beautiful quote. I think I need to use that quote. Well, boss. feel free, Rachel. Feel free, Rachel. <laughs> but I mean, it's the same with an M and A, right? That, that everything's in black and white. It has to be, right? But suddenly you tack on the ambiguity of all the people, and suddenly, whoa, we've got a problem here. What are we doing now? Riding down some rapids. It's how do you how do you best understand what's ambiguous within that up company you're acquiring um, or, and understand your own ambiguities to see how yeah. you're going to meld that together to make the acquisition, the merger work? Because it's people make it work, not the structure. The structure, Absolutely. It's, a, it's a poor structure, it won't work. I'll get, don't get me wrong. But the, I see most of the professionals get that pretty well right. It's the people factor that gets left behind. As you will know, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and and our the model that we we use in in Henker, um, you know, there's part of it which we call the head, which is the um, uh, uh, IQ, if you like, yep. and and, yep. and positive intelligence, the way yep. in which we control our, our emotions. So that's all the sort of clever stuff, if yep. if, if you like, that we often think about in leadership. Um, and then we have the um, the um, the stomach, if you if you like, the head, the gut, mm, yeah. um, with that passion and that belief and the EQ side mm. of things. So we've got the IQ and the PQ, the EQ, um, and then so so these bits are often talked about in leadership. Um, and the parts in in our model that are less talked about are the heart intelligence. You know, I've done a huge amount of research on. Um, with the Heart Math Institute and, and some of the great um, yeah, yeah. writers about the brain and, and how the heart is a brain, et cetera, um, and how that heart um, centre is, is used in leadership. Um, and then uh, finally, the SQ or spiritual intelligence, which I would probably um, describe as wisdom and compassion, um, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which has been beautifully written about by uh, Dana Zohar and um, Dr. Mike Watson. Um, and uh, uh, is, Dr. Yeah. Watson, yeah, Dr. Mike Watson, yeah. yeah. Dr. Mike Watson, you know, they've yeah. written, uh, you know, all about the spiritual. So, so mm -hmm. our model is saying that, that, that in actual fact, if you do want to create an organisation that has sustainable performance, then you need to be thinking about and encompassing all of these aspects in, in in leadership yeah that's 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 spot on and it's and it becomes 
to me, it's well, it's an ecosystem that sort of grows and perpetuates by itself. Mm. Um, and if you're just merging two ecosystems, that can be challenging. It's like it's how do we meld those two together? So, yeah, and 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 again, I think what happens in in organisations or even in in football teams. I, I had the pleasure of having a dinner on Saturday night with two. Um, young girls one is at Harvard University yeah. and is in the female football team and, and one's um, playing for the German uh, national team so uh-huh. they're both uh-huh. high level sportswomen uh-huh. and um, you know they were telling me about um, you know the fact that they have to have um, you know things stuck on them you know which will say you know this person's run this far and done this and done that and done the other so that's all the sort of data side, the IQ yeah. um, side of things. Mm, yeah. um, but, you know, what's not captured is the real human. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what if somebody waves their arm and, 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 or winks at somebody to pass them? You know, that's not captured. And, and it's, yeah. it's, we've, we've got to a point, I think, where we're so focused on data and we're so focused on, on, on analysis and we're so focused on in a merger um, about, mm. about technical aspects. We've just forgotten about human beings. Hey. And that's, that's right. And uh, so true. And it's, it's like anything. If, if you take away the human beings, then we just, we're just a robot world because it's all structure and process yeah. and, it's, and it's, it's data-driven, right? But so you yeah. take, because humans are the ambiguous, but they're, they're the X factor. It, that's something and when you you look at that the, the the intuition the spiritual side all that makes up the human and that's the bit that actually sets you apart in a, in a business that's that's to me that's where the success happens that's the passion yeah. as you said before like people yeah. got a passion i don't know whether yeah, they can love, have robots love, with passion i don't know about yeah that. i love what you say is the, it's the x factor or as the french say it's the je ne sais quoi it's je ne sais the quoi, uh, it? it's the je ne sais quoi yeah. Um, and that's what gives companies the advantage. Um, yeah, and that's and right. to me, and if I'm looking at, at acquiring a company, to me, I've got to better identify the X factor because that's where the value is. Because sometimes even the persons or the people selling the business haven't identified the X factor. That's why they're selling it. Maybe, I don't know, right? But I tell you, if you're acquiring something, the key is to look for the X factor because then you're going to see, because that's where the money is. That's where the value is. The rest is just, a sale price, like it's just the price of a bit of stuff, bricks and mortar. But where's the X factor? That'll either make or break a successful acquisition. Because, yeah. man, if you've picked an X factor there, that's like the opportunity cost or all these sorts of things. You pick it and you get it right, and that's the bit you can underplay with the value. And if you hope the people you're buying it off don't really see that value, <laughs> yeah, man, <laughs> we're going to be good here. But if it's happened in reverse... Like, like my instance where I was part of this organisation with my Scottish CEO, he's, he sold them a monumental X factor, but they had no understanding of it, right? So they just blew it away. Like, they had no idea. It just became a great lemon. And that, mm-hmm. to be honest, that, that when you look in the next five years after that, that company was sold themselves because that was just the management. See, that's the management. They just had no idea. Therefore, we're on a downward spiral. We're not going up. We're just going down. And they lost so much money on that because all the, all the good people left. <laughs> Absolutely. I just went. Anyway, that's, and that's the situation. It's, it's um, leaders get 
they deserve the team they have over time. If they're not so good a leader and they inherit a really great team, that team won't be great for too long because the good people leave and you're left with the not so good ones. You can't get another job. Uh, or the people are really good. You've got to inherit a bad one. You either grow those people or you move it around, shuffle their positions, you get the good people because you attract them. So everyone gets their team that they deserve over a bit of time. Mm. And, I, and the time's not 10 years. The time's in a year or so. Like it just takes a bit of time for people to actually wake up. And I, I suspect right at the moment when they, the, the, the great uh, resignations happening around the world is what people say, I suspect that's going to be quickened a lot, lot more. Oh, it's, it's definitely happening. I can tell you it's happening here. In yeah, I know. South I know Korea. it's happening. Yeah. And there's companies where it's not happening. I just tell the leaders, pat yourself on the back because they don't want to go because of you. No other reason. Because everyone else is clearing off. And that's a sign. We're not really happy with the leadership, so let's go. Well, and that's because their comfort zone has already been blown up, right? So they're, they're not in control anymore because COVID's seen to that. So while I'm riding the rapids, let me just change employers. Mm. See, when I get into a routine, I don't want to change. It's harder to change, right? So you just, oh, I don't have to think. I just get up, go to work, come back, up, done. Another day gone, right? But when it's been disrupted, Oh, well, I'll look around. While I've been disrupted, why not go somewhere better? That's, to me, why it's been quite, uh, the great resignation has been fanning, been fanned by COVID so much. Yeah. I just don't know how long it'll last. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, change is upon us. Change is upon change, the world. Even change, more. That's it. And, that's, and on that note, I've just looked at we've done, we've been talking for uh, twenty over 20 minutes, so... So, Rachel, I think you have you on today. Um, it's been good. And we might continue our MA or cultural change and things like that chat at a, at a later time. Yeah, no, it's been a real, real pleasure. I love the title of the show, Soul, Soul Centered Leadership. Um, soul, and it soul inspired, but it is. Soul inspired. You know, it is heart and soul. It's, it is. Um, it's, um, that's what it's all about. And uh, so, that's pleasure to be with you. That's it. So I, I do thank you for being on today and thanks people for listening to our podcast today. Um, and uh, please look out for the next one. And we'll probably have Rachel on at another point, I'm sure. Thank you, Ross. Thank you so much. Bye.